This is Honest Math Chat, an elementary teacher podcast. This is episode 13 and our very first interview with my good friend, Juliana Tapper. And we're going to talk all about how to create inclusive math classrooms. You're going to hear on the episode why she is the perfect person for this topic. We're going to talk all about how she addresses creating inclusive math classes. We're going to talk about intervention curriculum and what really works. And of course, we're going to dive pretty deep into our thoughts and feelings about creating classroom communities and how it's everything. Math classroom culture, math mindset, and student-centered instructional practices are just a few of the topics that we will cover on the Honest Math Chat, an elementary teacher podcast. We will feature practical ideas from teachers for all teachers. See, this podcast is all about helping you create a classroom where students are empowered to love and deeply understand math. If you want the math classroom of your dreams, or let's face it, maybe you've never dreamed about math because it's not your thing, come alongside as I, a former math hater turned math teacher cheerleader, show you how you can transform your elementary classroom. From just getting through the math lesson each day to making math your favorite part of the day and your students' favorite part. Let's get this honest chat started, shall we? Today, we are hanging out with my friend Juliana Tapper from Collaborate Ed, and I'm so excited for you guys to learn from Juliana. I've already learned so much from her in our friendship, and yeah, Juliana, introduce yourself to all these folks. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I think we should start with the fact that we have the same birthday. Let's True. just put that out there. True. Um, we're destined to be biz besties and sisters. <laughs> yeah, I always like to say like that the listeners have found their new math teacher bestie, but like truly Juliana was my first virtual math teacher bestie. There we go. There right? we go. <laughs> Um, in addition to that, I'm also super passionate about students who struggle with math. Um, I've taught at the high school level. So I've taught at three different high schools in South Central Los Angeles and East San Jose, and then just outside of Denver, Colorado, where I live now. I was also an instructional coach and a math teacher on special assignment at a school district. And that ignited my passion for teacher professional development. So I started a business in 2018. I left the classroom um, just because I was frustrated with the lack of resources and support, relevant PD, all those things available to me as a math teacher working with students mainly below grade level and decided, I think I can provide better PD for, for teachers that's more relevant and action oriented for us. And that's what I've been doing since 2018. I love it. And I think everybody can relate with the fact of like, we all have students that struggle. And when you're looking for resources for those students or all of your students, it's so hard to find what you're looking for. And often our professional development is just focused on big shifts or big ideas and not really getting down to the nitty gritty. And I feel like what you have to offer is so practical for teachers. Um, so when you talk, Juliana, about creating a classroom community that's inclusive, because I know you're, all, you're always talking about how to make sure 
Like our struggling learners feel supported. What does that mean to you? Yeah, I think inclusive, it kind of starts with thinking about special education. I think that's where we hear the word inclusive the most in education is thinking about, okay, our inclusive classroom, we're switching from, you know, a special day class to in making our classrooms inclusive, which means you're going to have a lot of students with special needs in your classroom. That's basically what that's saying. Um, but I think it's more than that. I think being an inclusive classroom, it doesn't need to just be in regards to special education. I think it's a classroom where all students and I mean, every single one of your students not only feel safe and comfortable in your classroom, but they feel safe and comfortable doing math in your classroom. And they feel safe and comfortable with you as their teacher, knowing that they're going to make mistakes or maybe they failed math for multiple years, but they also feel safe and comfortable doing math with their peers because that can be really awkward when you make a mistake in front of a peer. And um, I think that has a lot to do with making an inclusive classroom. It's it's somewhere where truly no student is left behind. Um, and as a teacher, I can walk away knowing that every kid participated today, like every single kid, not one kid sat passively in our in my classroom today. Um, and I have an understanding of, of where each student's mathematical understanding is for that day. Um, and I think that is what helps make our classrooms inclusive. Um, and that it isn't just about special education. It's also about um, equity. And like, it can be uncomfortable to talk about equity in our classrooms and to confront our own implicit bias and those sorts of things. But if the black and brown kids in our classrooms are participating less than the white kids, you know, yes, it's very uncomfortable to realize that. But we need to realize it and, and make our classrooms more inclusive for truly every single student. Yeah, girl. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think like what you're talking about is establishing relationships. Like I heard that, I heard you say that in so many ways, right? Knowing them as a mathematician and knowing like at the end that you were able to connect with every kid as a mathematician, but also making sure they feel safe. And that starts with relationships and making sure kids feel like they belong in the community of mathematicians and teaching kids how to be partners, right? And how to establish those relationships among each other, which is so key. And I think like, I like to think that math can be an agent for changing our schools and really pushing this envelope of um, students can be creative in math. I don't think that schools around the country are thinking like that. And the people hopefully that are listening are on board with us to like fight this fight of like, let's make math a place where everybody's included and every kind of thinking is included. Um, yeah, cool. Absolutely. Love it. All right. So what about, how have you seen these strategies play a role in your own classroom? So talk to us about your classroom and what works and maybe even like give us ideas for what we can do in our classroom today or tomorrow or as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I think so in my classroom, again, I know it's a lot of elementary math teachers listening to the honest math chat, but, um, and I've taught high school, um, I've taught ninth grade algebra one and the math high school math intervention class. And so for me, I feel like the strategies have really 
helped I've had students mainly who have been failing math since elementary school <laughs> you know they probably failed everything in middle school and here they are with me as a ninth grade teacher and sometimes just getting them to show up feeling safe and comfortable enough to show up after you've failed math for so many years I think that's how these inclusive strategies have played out um, and I think so much of this like you cannot do this without the community building. You know, that has to be step one. And I know that's something that we both feel so passionately about. Um, and I feel like another way that it's shown up in my own classroom is that students who have felt left behind in other math classrooms actually participate in my classroom. When you've taken the time to get to know them, when you've taken the time to build those ground rules, you know, um, you mentioned just a little bit ago about, you know, being intentional about how students act with each other something along those lines it got me thinking you know so many times teachers assume that students know how to act in groups and they know how to act in partners and they don't we have to explicitly teach them how we want them to interact and share and make mistakes and um, support each other they, they don't know how to do that we have to teach them that in addition to teaching them math um, but when you do then the, the students who have failed math for all sorts of years actually participate in our classrooms. Um, I think it also shows up with intervention kids performing at the same level as their grade level peers. I've done all sorts of different intervention math classes, you know, at three different schools, I've done been told to do three or four different things with my intervention class. And what's been the most miraculous is when I decide to throw out an intervention curriculum and teach the intervention kids the grade level math and see that they are achieving at the same rate that my quote grade level kids are achieving at and that that is inclusive right there. Yes, and that can happen when you have that classroom community where everybody is valued right like every single math voice in here Every person has the ability to do this thinking. And it starts in elementary school when kids start like thinking, I can't do math because yeah. I didn't get the right answer. Or there's 40 questions on this paper and I physically can't handle that, right? And yeah. it starts to write like these, these math identities. I mean, you know, I talk about that all the time, but like before they leave elementary school, many children already believe they can't do math. So of course they're getting to ninth grade, middle school and beyond, and they're just defeated. So heck yeah, when you show up in a high school math class where the teacher's like, let's like establish some expectations and norms and make it safe. And I want to hear everybody's voice. Yes. And I think like, that's my goal is that no children are showing up to middle school and high school anymore thinking they're not a math, um, a math learner, a math person, whatever. Um, Juliana, like you're talking about throwing out the intervention curriculum. People are probably like, what? But talk about what you can do instead, right? Why, how does that work? Like you can throw out an intervention curriculum and just have those like kids that are struggling do the grade level stuff. How? We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, you guys. Welcome to Just the Two of Us. It is your broadcast host, Mr. Zach. So I want you to relax, put your feet up, grab your glass of wine and a snack. Because you are tuning into my broadcast. 
see you later. Yeah, and I've done it all. You know, I have been the ninth grade teacher that has been teaching elementary school standards, you know, because that's what my principal asked me to do. I have been teaching them multiplying and dividing as ninth graders and 10th graders and watching them just feel like so insulted that they continue to give up versus when you believe in them enough to give them grade level content, Mm -hmm. they rise to the occasion. It's like when you give um, a fifth grader or whatever, like a level C book, you know, all the elementary school teachers are like, yep. Because even if they don't know their sight words or they are like, they're struggling with decoding, a 10 year old is not going to read the dog can run, the dog can sit. Like that, like you said, it's it's almost demoralizing, right? Like, no, I can read more. And just that teacher saying like, I know you can do this and I'm not going to do it for you, but I'm right here. And I'm going to help you do it on your own because that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. And I think at the middle school and high school level, teachers are like, well, my kids don't know how to add and subtract negative numbers. They don't know how to multiply negative numbers. So I need to stop and we need to learn fractions and we need to learn PEMDAS and we need to learn all those things and stop all the other stuff. But the thing is, those things are spiral throughout, you know, I can't solve an equation without practicing that. So maybe you do in your warm up, you practice some more kind of numeracy facts like that. But and maybe you do take one unit to to review some stuff like that, but you don't have to take the whole school year to review that kind of stuff. And give them a calculator, <laughs> give them a multiplication table. When you're in ninth grade, the standard is not that you can multiply. The standard is that you can solve multiple step equations. And we need to give our students the tools that they need to do that. And a lot of teachers say, well, they can't use it on tests. Teach them how to create a multiplication table and tell them that's the first thing they do on their test, on the back of their test for any standardized test and use that multiplication table if that's what the concern is. Yeah, I think that totally relates to the elementary school teachers too, because we have the same thing, right? Like, well, we can't get to multiplication if we don't know how are all of our addition and subtraction facts. Like you hear that a lot. And I think what we have to remember is like, we're creating mathematicians, not calculators. So, I mean, y'all, we carry a calculator in our pockets. This is the reality. Our kids have calculators. So it's not about just the memorization of facts, right? Like, sure, they're not going to have it on the test. Moving on, because the test, I haven't taken a test in a real long time. Um, and I do math every day in my life. And so it's about teaching kids how to think. And I totally agree. Like giving students relevant problems that are rigorous to the grade level standard says to them that you believe that they can think and I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I am much more willing to do something and take a risk when I know that the person who's like putting it out there for me believes in me that I can do it. Right. Absolutely. And it's not like, oh, I just go ahead and teach the curriculum, the grade level curriculum. Like, yeah, I know that there are gaps and I know that I'm going to need to scaffold back a lot of stuff. I can't just be like, let's solve this multi-step equation. I know they don't know how to do one-step equations. I know they don't know how to do two-step equations. So yeah, it takes a little more time, 
but I, I have found the most success in all of my different intervention situations when I just say, I'm going to teach them the grade level content. We're going to use the grade level resources and we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And again, because that makes everyone feel seen and believed in and like the teacher has confidence in them, which in the end makes them feel more confident in themselves, creating that inclusive space. So, and I also, in my experience, have seen um, students who maybe have struggled in past math classes in my math class find their voice because we talk, where it's not just about writing down the answer. It's like, you don't really have to write anything down as long as you can explain your thinking. Let's start there. We can work on all the other stuff later. Um, and a lot of times students that struggle, you know, it they have that disconnect between what's in my mind and what I can get out from my hand. So talking can be a bridge. Absolutely. Yes. And I think a lot of middle school and high school teachers might say, well, you know, I don't think there's that many activities that are relevant that do that at the middle school and high school level that, you know, that maybe you can have in elementary school, but there are, <laughs> there really? are. Mm -hmm. So what other steps do you think like teachers could take to try to make their class more inclusive to include every student as a mathematician? Yeah, I think we've talked about step one, our shared love of community. Mm -hmm. And it's not just what's your favorite color, what's your dream job, those typical first day of school bingo things. Those are great. And like, I'm all for those too. Those are fun. But we need to intentionally build a community around realizing that maybe our kids have struggled. You know, we need to ask them what how has your math past been? Tell me about it. We need to ask, what do you need in a teacher to make you feel comfortable sh making a mistake in math class? That's what I mean by building an intentional community in our classrooms. Um, and I, would, I feel like step two is to find some activities, some strategies, some structures that really encourage every single student to participate. Um, strategies like which one doesn't belong. Yeah, that's our shared love right there. Which one doesn't belong, same and different. There are so many strategies that you can use at the elementary school, middle school, high school level that have more than one answer. And their sole purpose is to get students talking. And I think we need to do those as much as possible in our classrooms. I think that's a good step too. Um, step three, I think, to really spend some time thinking about your lesson delivery experience. Is it, is it inclusive? Is everyone, is truly everyone given an opportunity to participate in your class? And do they take it, you know? And then what, what feedback, what kind of data are you getting about the mathematical understanding of your students during instruction? Because that, that has to do with making our classrooms inclusive as well. Are we getting real-time formative feedback about whether it's how you walk around, you know, during student work time while students are grappling with their problem, whatever it is, are you, what kind of data can you collect from that? You know, that, that's what I mean by data. It doesn't need to be a quiz every day. <laughs> it can be what you see. It can be when you call on students to participate, are they, where, where are their answers? Are they right? Are they wrong? Are they getting there? You know, that tells you that's all data that you need to collect to know if it's coming through. Yeah. And I feel like 
when you gather that data, which data just means information, right? And so when you get that information about where your class is and what I like to call like the trajectory of understanding, if we're back here on this particular day and problem and scenario, then we start from there. But if we're way over there, then we start from there. But you gotta, you, like you said, you gotta know where your class is so you know where to start. Yes. And that's something that, that's my other side note gripe about math intervention curriculum is the more I think about it, I, I don't think an intervention curriculum is the answer because every year that I've taught math intervention, it's, I've taught it differently because I'm responding to the needs of my kids that year. That if I sit down to think about, could I build a math intervention curriculum? I don't think I could. I think I would rather empower teachers with strategies and pedagogy to reach our struggling students and to teach them how to teach students who are struggling as opposed to creating a curriculum because I don't, I don't think that that's the best way to go about this. Yeah, I totally agree that like, it's about the, the moves you make to support the kids in front of you. It's not about what you take off the shelf and open up and start delivering, right? Just, there is no magic wand to learning. And so yeah. absolutely. And so the more you know your students, again, back to relationships, right? The more you know them as mathematicians and as people, the better you can help them when they need it to move along that trajectory. Yes. Love it. All right, girl, this has been so good. I feel like we could talk um, like in another whole episode about multiple things. Like we, we'll just have like a podcast ourselves. How was that? You guys, you know, let us know if you'd like to just a Juliana and Mona <laughs> podcast. Um, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I could talk to you forever though, but okay. Tell everybody where they can find you because obviously now we all need more Juliana in our life. Yeah, awesome. Well, we can connect the same way Mona and I connected on Instagram. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I am collaborated.with.juliana. I think Mona's going to link it in the show notes. Um, and I would love for you to check out, I have options for schools and districts to work with me as well as direct to teacher. If teachers are interested with my Math Engagement Academy, um, you can look that up at mathengagementacademy.com and find out all the goodies there. I love it so much. Well, thank you, Juliana. And I hope that you folks that are listening, my friends, my teacher besties, I hope you got inspired by this idea of creating an inclusive classroom, not by, you know, filling in the holes, but by thinking about what you can do like, and go beyond those holes. Right. So thank you so much, Juliana. We will talk to you soon. Bye. Woo! What an interview. Thank you, Juliana, for being our first interview. I am so inspired by all that she had to share. I hope you found something that you can take and implement in your classroom tomorrow or something that's just got you rethinking. I am so proud of the work that you're doing and listening to math teacher podcasts. You rock. If you haven't downloaded the guide to engaging math discussions that's on my website, my brand new website, monamath.com slash discussions. Go grab that. It goes perfectly with what we talked about today about engaging every single one of our students. 
and holding them to high expectations and building that strong foundation of a classroom community. I hope you have a great rest of your day and I will chat with you all soon.